Hello, and welcome to another episode of Monday Morning Boilers, coming to you on a Monday evening as we get through the new year. Hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season, got to spend time with friends and family. Uh, I know you and I just wrapped up our, our family weekend festivities yesterday and uh, now kind of getting back into the swing of things here in 2019 and we got a lot to talk about uh got a lot of fun things big commitment on saturday uh we'll review the 2018 purdue football season then we'll we'll recap the purdue basketball that we've missed since we last recorded and kind of get ready for the media conference play starting tomorrow but first things first (laughs) Um, we're gonna we're gonna start on a bit of a somber note. Obviously, I'm I'm sure by now, if you're listening, you're aware of the passing of Tyler Trent, who was a prominent figure in not only sports media nationally, but you know Purdue media especially. Uh, you know, passing away from cancer, obviously an unbelievably sad story, but an, but an inspiring one in the same vein. You know can't really quite put into words the the effect that he had not only on the Purdue community but just on the community of Indiana and nationally as a whole just the number of prominent people who he made connections with made friendships and you could see a lot of outpour of support uh after the news of his passing broke last week so you know I you know I think we want to you know say we're keeping the Trent family in our thoughts um Obviously, it's it's a terrible thing, but I think that the world is better to have known Tyler's story and uh, an incredible impact that a young man at such a young age was able to make. Yeah, he 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 made a huge impact for someone so young, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, the number a number of things to take away from his story and his life is there are no guarantees, and you make the most of every day, and relationships matter. Don't be afraid to dream big because there is no tomorrow is not guaranteed. You never know what the future may hold for you. Um, as a parent, I can't imagine how hard things must be right now for his folks. Um, yeah. It, yeah. So yeah. I feel I feel for them. Yeah, and, uh, and neither of us uh, met Tyler Trent. Didn't know him. Don't, I, to my knowledge, know anybody who who knows him. Um, but you, every, you very rarely see in this day and age, so many people who have met an individual and everybody has nothing but good things to say about. And and that was the case with Tyler. You know, he could have, you know, in a situation where a lot of people, the last thing they want is the bright lights and the the camera on them. And he chose to take his fight on the public stage and, and use it for, is a tool for good. And, and so obviously, you know, applaud him and the strength of his family. Well, well, is that him and, and really as a, a whole, you know, Boilermaker nation, I think felt the weight of his passing on Tuesday. I think we all kind of felt that way. Yeah. He made, and, a, he made a huge impact on people. Yeah. He really did. And uh, his his viewing will be in Indy tomorrow. Um, if you can get there, I know that's open to the public. I believe they're going to be streaming it as well. And of course, 
um, be be on the lookout on social media for a couple of the different links to, you know, he's got, I know he's got a book coming out about the Ohio State upset and kind of his journey from there. I also know that there's some, some apparel that you can buy, some T-shirts and things like that, that those proceeds are going towards cancer research. Uh, we'll tweet those out along with the podcast this week uh, just to kind of help make that a little bit easier for people to be able to find where they can they can donate if they feel the need to do so and uh you know we obviously would really hope that you will you know donate what little money you know whatever money that you feel like you can towards helping to make sure that that there aren't more stories like that so uh, we're but we're going to go ahead and press on right cuz yeah. You know, he lo- Tyler Trent loved Purdue sports. We love yes, Purdue sports. And so we're going to talk about the number of, of really good things that happened, uh, especially for Purdue football this, this weekend. Um, David Bell, Boilermaker. Yeah, huge. A huge get for the Boilers. Um, you know, clearly the deal was done back in December uh, with, mm-hmm. with the national letter, but the, the – kind of the rollout of the thing again, a la Rondell Moore the year before um, did it, the army all American game and uh, Purdue got a lot of great publicity. Um, yes. At that deal. You know, there was three guys there that uh, all mm-hmm. figured prominently into the game actually at different points and yeah. what a great national publicity for the boilers. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's the second time that they've had a big time wide receiver choose them on that national stage, you know, obviously Rondell last year. But I think that very quietly, the most impressive thing about not, I mean, obviously like David Bell's a program changing talent at wide receiver. I mean, that gives you another second legitimate superstar in the, in the skill core. But the fact that there were two other guys there that are going to be coming to West Lafayette to play football, I think was something that did not get enough emphasis. I mean, George Karloftis, who I think a lot of people, especially that follow the program, know him. You know, he's a pretty pretty much a known commodity because he was the first guy to really kick off that 2019 class. But I think the dude who's really flown under the radar and has a, an excellent chance to make an impact next season is the third member of that group, and that's Kyle Bladow, who's coming over from Virginia, the 6'6 tight end, who showed – against some of the premier talent that's coming into this 2019 class that he belongs physically. He can physically play with those guys. Yeah. I mean, he caught the TD pass in a game um, out in the flat, but I think it was you that was telling me that um, his high school ran bubble screens to him because he has such great speed. Is that, isn't that right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so he's big. He's six, four, he's six, four, six, five. He's big. Um, but he's got mm-hmm. good feet and he's a good athlete and you know I, I yeah I think it's an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> Honestly, it's certainly. I mean, I think that you look so you look at that recruiting class as a whole, which is from from basically from what we've seen is done. That recruiting class is locked up. Yeah. Even though I believe the final signing day is in February, I don't think that there's going to be any more. Additions. I think they've reached their got, their limit on the number, right? Of, of I think yeah, I think they've reached their scholarship cap. Yeah. So you look at the receivers. I don't. 
you know, obviously it's it's not a a done deal, right? You know, you're projecting on potential. But when you look at the potential of the guys coming in this class, I'm not sure there's ever been a better set of receivers to to step foot at, in West Lafayette. No, it's the best receiver for certainly in my gosh, whatever it's been now, 30 years of watching Purdue sports. Um, what are you? Yeah. We're going to cut this out, but what are you drinking, man? Because I can hear you gulping that. Oh, Gatorade. Yeah, it's like, it sounds like like a water jug. Oh, no, sorry. It's really, okay. All right, so count, and then we can you can cut all that out. <laughs> just go ahead and go. It's fine. We'll just leave it in there. Certain, certainly, it, it is in in my time. It, it's the best receiver core I've ever seen him have. I mean, Drew Brees never had the level of talent on the end of his passes that that the quarterback of the next couple of years will have. You know, no, Drew, Drew did no. it with guys that were not NFL guys. Um, th- there's at least four guys that are going to play on Sundays. At least four, maybe I- more. I think so. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I mean, I think you look at obviously Rondell, right? I mean, Rondell is the most known commodity. Yeah. David Bell. Yep. Milton Wright. Milton Wright. I <clears throat> I would make the argument that physically, Milton Wright's more ready to play physically at the Division One level than even David Bell is. Probably so. But right. but I, I if think you I'm, find if you look at the, the photos of. That young man looks like he's built out of granite. Yeah, he, he, he physically he, can play now. He's a big dude. Yeah, he's a big dude. I think that that he will be he will be an instant impact okay. guy as well. And I think the other the other <laughs> dude in that class, you know, you've talked about Mershon Rice yeah, a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think TJ Sheffield's Ooh. another dude who's who's really underrated because that he was a four star recruit when he was committed to Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. Notre Dame pulls their scholarship. Yeah, they pull their scholarship. He loses the four-star, and then he commits to Purdue. I think that's another guy who, if Rondell's not at Purdue right now, that's a guy that I think has a chance to make an impact right away, I too. I absolutely agree. Yeah. it's So, I, be, so I, I add you, Hopkins already there to that mix. And now, yeah. and now the freshman yeah. tied in coming in that we just talked about, and – my land, yeah. they're right there. Six guys, man, maybe seven. Yeah, I and the big thing on offense, I think that there. I mean, there are some questions. Obviously, you're a lot of freshmen at wide receiver and tight end. Um, running back is literally anybody's guess right now. I think that if you have eligibility left on Purdue's campus and you think that you can pick up a blitz. You should go see if you can get a spot in the back. I think I, think, I don't know. I don't know that they know. I think Richie Warship's going to be big, but I think it's going to re- depend on his health. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, he he's a big guy, and he is. You know, there have obviously been some setbacks in the recovery from the ACL injury of last yeah, year. Yeah, there were. Yeah, I, I'm 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 optimistic about Richie and Richie's role. Because he, I mean, yeah. if if healthy, he is a load. He's a load, and, I, he, and, and he's a him, decent yeah. blocking back. To be honest with you, yes, really yeah, he can do a lot of things. I, 
I think Horvath will probably get an expanded role as yeah, well. Probably. Tario Fuller has shown flashes when he's healthy. It's just a matter of can he stay on the field for 13 so Tario's games. Tario's not physically as big as like Richie is, and I don't know that he's as durable because of that. You know, right. Tario gets, gets knocked around. Uh, you know, I think e- – yeah, Evan Anderson is a guy that I that I think they're high on the re- who's, who just redshirted this year. Right. You know, is an, is another guy who has a chance to earn some snaps in the backfield. And I think that the, the two freshmen – uh, King Duar, I believe I'm saying that that name correctly. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Out of Texas, and then uh, Jawan Hewitt <clears throat> from Tennessee. I mean, Jawan Hewitt is like the all-time touchdown leader in Tennessee, or something crazy like yeah. that. Yeah, again, he could be he could be an impact guy as a freshman. We're gonna have a really we're gonna right. play a really young team, and, and that's and that's at the skill yes. positions. But the O line is gonna be really young as well, man, because there's some some guys not yeah. there now. No, I mean you're re- you're replacing the entire interior offensive line because yeah. Kurt Dennis Edwards and uh, Shane Evans have all graduated, and Michael Mendez um, tweeted out on on Twitter that that he will not be joining the program again. He's leaving as well, and that was probably your top backup. I mean, Michael Mendez was a guy who played quite a bit of snaps as his guys got hurt and they needed to fill people in. So you're losing kind of that that versatility and that I, I take that I, you know you and i talked about this actually and i think you're right i take it as an indication of how good the guys are that are that are going to be you know redshirt freshmen or or sophomores well i think that it's that's going to be the interesting thing right because if you look at the if you look at this past year's roster the 2018 roster by and large the guys that were playing this year one way or another were were Brom guys mm-hmm. for the most part for a lot of them right whether they were junior college transfers or they're just they played a lot of young guys too yeah but they were guys that his um, staff went out and got right offensive offensive line was the only was the only spot where none of the guys playing outside of like the two graduates right Evans and Edwards yeah. were guys that they were already there right. you know Grant Hermans was already right. there. Eric Swingler and Matt McCann were already there. Barron was already there. Michael Mendez was already right. there. Like now, they're going to have a chance to to put some, put their guys right, you know, quote unquote, their guys on the offensive line, and it will be interesting to see where the development is physically for those guys on the offensive line because it's been pretty apparent that that Bron taking some of the more physical projects when coming out of high school, go get some guys, put 70 pounds of muscle on them, right. and then see if they yeah. can play. be fun. They're going to be fun to watch, and they're just going to keep building the talent level because they can. They, these guys can yeah. recruit, man. And uh, here's, here's the kind of the interesting thing at quarterback, right? It will be fascinating to see if he can stay healthy. What Elijah Sindelar can do in the vertical passing game with these well, weapons. Got to be able to go up top and throw it deep, man. Because he he was stretching the field with Greg Phillips <laughs> and Anthony Mahungu, yes. who no all due respect to Greg Phillips and Anthony Mahungu are not Rondell Moore or not David White, right? Or not Milton, right? Or 
not Jared Sparks right. even. <laughs> like th- there is now a level of athleticism on the outside, I think, but I don't think that... there's any any certainty in that it's going to be Elijah Sindler's job. I think that I think that Elijah starts the season as the starting quarterback. Whether or not he finishes it uh, has a number of factors. The most important one is health, mm-hmm. because he talked about it. He talked about it. I don't know how widely reported it was. He had, some, I think, he had some reoccurring issues with his knee, uh, and, and his, and it, and it messed up his mechanics. Right. Right. And so, if if he's going to be not fully healthy, well, now you're looking at Nick Sipe and you're looking at Jack Plummer. Right. Who? I mean, I, I really think the Plummer kid could be stellar. I really do. I really. I agree. Do. Yeah. I. I think that spring football will be this year's spring football is the biggest in the Brom era. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are so many young guys we've not even talked about on defense. No, no, we haven't. And there's going to be some new faces on the defense too, um, in the defensive backfield particularly and, and welcomed. So yes, in the defensive backfield, one face that's not going to be new. That was a big, um, new story this week is Marcus Bailey is going to return for his senior season. A much needed boost to that that linebacker core that was going to be is still going to be very thin and very young. Uh, up front, you you don't know what the timeline is there on the recovery for Lorenzo Neal. Uh, Giovanni Revere appears to have made the switch to defensive tackle for good. Yeah. You know that's a permanent change. Uh, Carl Loftus <laughs> is an early and en- has enrolled and is taking classes. Actually, just had his first day today. Uh, you've got a handful of other guys from some, you know, from some of those other classes that that might be able to make an impact. And so I think that there's there's going to be a lot of new faces up front. But in the secondary, I wouldn't be shocked if you see Marvin Grant and Jalen Graham. Both getting a lot of snaps. Coach has said that in his press conferences. I mean, he's he has mm-hmm. as much as said is they're going to play as true freshmen immediately, and they can help us. I mean, he I mean, he point blank said that. So that's that's what they're thinking. So again, it'll be it'll be a, yeah, it'll be a young that... lineup, and so there's going to be a learning curve. And, uh, the schedule is a little different than it was this year. I mean, we had a brutal schedule this year, for goodness sakes. Yes, yeah, six and seven is a huge success. Yeah, was it the number? Was it, it really like is. top ten toughest schedules? Strength of schedule yeah, in, the, in, the, so. in the country. I mean, it was crazy. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was. It was incredible what they were able to do. They, obviously, they didn't end the way that they wanted to. No, but. No. But I I think that it was a good reminder to Purdue fans that you don't have the four and five year recruiting history that Auburn does. You just didn't have the depth. Well, Auburn Auburn was a top ten team that underachieved the entire season. <laughs> I mean that yeah. honestly that I mean you know they were that guy was coaching for his life. With mm-hmm. the, yeah, you know the kind of talent they had, they're, they're, they underachieved horribly bad. Where I felt like we overachieved, particularly given an zero and three start. Oh yeah, I, 
I think everybody is in agreement that if they don't go, if they if they start zero and three, and and I if you go back in the future, right, go back to the future, right, and you tell Purdue fans you're going to get to a bowl game after the Missouri game where they're sitting zero and three, everybody takes it, right, even if you're going to get beat sixty three to fourteen or whatever it was, yeah, yeah. Well, there was just a huge talent disparity. And, you know, it's a good indication of where our program needs to get um, because it's not there yet. But, I mean, still, it's really only one, really one recruiting, actual recruiting class of Jeff Brom recruits. Because yeah. Rondell's class, I mean, you can't really say it was fully theirs because, you know, they got a late start and they're picking the people pieces of the puzzle up a little bit. Um, they brought, had to bring in a lot of grad transfer guys because they need guys that can make immediate impact. So right. next season, I mean, just I think the first time that you can say the majority of the roster is Coach Brom's guys. And well, I it, think next and season the talent, the, be... talent, the talent level's changing. It's, it just is because it wasn't there. I, yeah, I agree. I think that next season – you start to go from because we all know that in game X's and O's, Jeff mm. Brahms is as good as anybody around. Yeah, seemingly. Yeah. I, I think, I think you start to figure out just how good they are at building the program and developing the talent next year. Because, like you said, now you're starting now. Now you've got your near three. <clears throat> you're going to be playing almost exclusively your guys. Yeah. And so now what can you do? Well, you're not trying to um, uh, hide some things through schemes and X and O stuff. And, you know, Coach talked about that a little bit. He did it professionally. He's not going to throw anybody under the bus. But, I mean, in a nice way, what he said is, you know, in the privacy of the coach's office, they knew they had some deficiencies and some weaknesses and, they did things to hide those things, and what it came down to is they just didn't have the talent level that you need to compete. No, compete at the level and that I they thought, want to. I thought that was interesting. Um, they because they had they kind of talked to Dave Bell at the, the the Under Armour All American game about well, you know, you see Rondell Moore there making an impact. Are you worried about going and playing with him? And, and David Bell was like, um, no, because. I'm going to – he's going to get one matchups that I hope I can win. Yeah. Which is what you saw – which is what you saw this year with Terry Wright and Isaac. A little season. bit, especially towards the end of the season. Right. Like, you, you saw them have the ability to – you know, they were going to get some one-on-one matchups because Rondell commands so much attention over the middle of the field. Right. And now – now you're going to put – physically some bigger guys who are probably just as quick out there on the edge to, to make some plays and try to make some contested catches. And if, if they're able to win some 50, 50 balls down the sideline, I mean, good luck because I'm not sure that there's a guy who throws a prettier deep ball than Elijah Sindelar in the big, you know, there was that clip that was out there on social media of David Bell doing that in practice. I mean, he just went up over the top of a guy and pulled it down. 
And, and yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm, I, it's going to be explosive in a dynamic group. Got to get the O line stuff, you know, in place because that matter how strong your arm is, if you're laying on your back, you can't throw the ball. Uh, so, True. I mean, yeah, and and you do, they lose the mobility that, that David Bell brought, or not David Bell, that David Blau brought to the table. You know, that's that's gone. You know, no. Uh, Elijah is not as quick. Yeah, well, you know, my my kind of pet conspiracy theory on that deal would I thought he was more effective with the with the injured leg because he could not physically try to extend plays with his feet and so he just threw right. the ball away and made a better decision with it, right? Instead of trying to force it. I mm-hmm. thought he was I thought he was better when he was not mobile at all. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. I think I think that it will help for him not to feel like he's got the quick hook. Yeah, that's 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 if he tough wa- to if play he, with that hanging over your head. Yeah, like if he walks into, let's say he, uh, as long let's assume he's healthy and he has a great <clears throat> spring camp and he is unequivocally the number one starter headed into week one. It'll be interesting to see because he played that way the, the down the last stretch of year one with Brom where David got hurt and he just kind of played a little bit more free because he didn't have to worry. So I think, I think you saw that with David this year. You know, David yeah. wasn't looking over his shoulder. He was mm-hmm. just trying to make plays and, and win a game and played better as a result. So, yeah, I think there's merit to what you're saying, absolutely. Yeah, it's shocking that uh, guys tend to play a little more relaxed when they know that if they make one mistake, they're not going to get yanked out of the game. Right. Huh? Well, that's a, I mean, it's that's pretty it's a delicate balance between no accountability and you know over accountability. You know, right. And so, right. from a coaching standpoint, there's a fine line there that you walk, and you know, you don't want guys to be complacent either. <clears throat> and that can happen as well. So, yeah, lots mm-hmm. to be excited about with this football team, man. I mean, it, I think it's uh, you know there there should be a rallying call after the bowl game. You know, if you can't get behind this coach and this program now and, and support it by buying tickets or making donation or doing whatever, I mean, then I don't know what you're waiting on because I don't know of a time in Purdue football that's been more exciting. There is in may, my mind, may, there's maybe no arguably when Tiller and Breeze and those guys went to the Rose Bowl. But I think that and when it's all said and done, this group's going to do something and more. Yeah. I I think that there's no reason that Ross Edge shouldn't be sold out for every home Agreed. game in 2019. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Get over there. Watch that team. They're going to be fine. Okay, so one, one of my play. college buddies, you know, I went and did the thing in Austin with all my guys, right? And so right. they texted at, at one point. Um, they said, did – are we becoming? Are we a football school? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I think that's a really good, great question, yeah. right? You know, is Purdue right. a football school? You know, Auburn's a football school, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Tennessee a football school? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, right. So, you know, are we a football school? I mean, I guess it depends on what your definition of the football school like. Every school in Division One athletics is better when their football team is better because it sets the tone for the students. Uh, financially, it puts the athletic department in a much better situation because football is one of the few sports that's going to turn a profit. Right. And so I think in Purdue's case, it's certainly that. 
but I think that the that there is a level of excitement around the program that has not been here since probably Kyle Orton. Would you say? Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, you're going back to the Wisconsin game and the fumble. Well, yeah, no, I mean, but, but even go even go back before that, right? When they are on the rise. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you like, on that, man. Palpable excitement, everything. You know, it's sold out. Game days yeah. here, like sure, it ended horribly. Well, it didn't end up but, the way anybody people, wanted it to. Right, if you're a Purdue fan. Um, but it, it certainly was. You know, I think that that was that's probably the most comparable in my lifetime at least yeah i i think there's a lot of upside i think there's more upside with the football program there is with any others yeah i really do i think well, i think this group can get something really truly special done i think we win the big 10 in 2020 i really do i think well i think we'll I, be outright champs i think that for the for a while the you know you look at the big the two conferences you know the east has dominated the west as far as as depth yeah. I think you look at Purdue, a top 25 recruiting class, adding a lot of weapons. You look at what Scott Frost was able to do in year one at Nebraska. He's got some guys coming, some, too. Right. To go along with – he's already got his his horse under center yeah. in Adrian Martinez. Yeah, he's going to be really good. I, yeah, he is. West, um, Wisconsin's got a kid coming at quarterback who was the MVP of that that all-American yes, game that David Bell played. Yeah, in. it merged. Uh, John Mertz, yeah. yeah. Who's legit and will start. Uh, we'll start day one. Well, yeah, I mean, he's no he's no uh, uh, Hornybrook. But... In the sense that he can play football at a successful level, I agree <laughs> with you. He is no Alex Hornybrook. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you look at Northwestern. Northwestern's losing Clayton Thorson, but they've got former five-star and number one quarterback in the country, Hunter Johnson, yeah. waiting in the wings. Yeah, that's a that was a good get for them, right? And even even perennial West doormat Illinois Lovey has very quietly added some elite talent and speed through the transfer market and in the recruiting class that they just brought. Yeah, in. well, Illinois don't scare me any, so okay. Right, but the point is, is that the the overall quality of the conference is, you know, the West is kind of is not, it's not Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan yet by any stretch of the imagination, but they're starting to get a little closer to each other than I think people realize. Agreed. Agreed. So now, turning our attention to the hardwood, and we'll go. To basketball, um, I think the last time that we talked was bef- was maybe after the Ohio game. It was, if I remember correctly, it was. <clears throat> um, since then, we've seen the Boilermakers have back to back impressive showings at home, beating two quality teams in <clears throat> Belmont and, and in Iowa. Uh, big road test, really a slog here to kind of finish up January in the Big Ten. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But let's just talk about these last two games. I think that there have there has been a lot of external criticism to Coach Painter, particularly the lineups that they're playing and the rotations and the minutes that he's giving. 
But it starts to feel like things are starting to find themselves a little bit more, and the bench particularly is starting to find its niche. Yeah, the defense is better as of late. Um, There was Mm -hmm. a stretch in the Belmont game where they were as good defensively as they've been all year. Um, So the young guys are starting to learn, you know, schematically what, what they need to be doing, what they're trying to get done, and they're learning how to play with the intensity level on the defensive end that coach demands and wants. Eric Hunter, right. Eric Hunter is a good example of that, and he has got a long way to go before he is a a great defender or even a good defender. But the efforts there and the intensities there that was not prior, um, and he's important to have on the on the floor for for us. Um, yes. You know, I, I I really I really like Aaron Wheeler's game, and mm-hmm. I have my feelings about <clears throat> minutes. I, I I believe Coach knows what he's doing, and he's got a reason for doing what he's doing. And outside looking in, we don't know everything that happens in practice and in the locker room. But um, right, Aaron Wheeler is going to be a really special player. Um, mm-hmm. In the very near future, he's been pretty good the last three games. He needs play. He needs yes. to play more. Aaron Wheeler is shooting eighty-eight percent in conference play from the three-point line. Yeah, it's pretty good. Sustainable? No, no. not sustainable. But still, uh, he's been. He, it's just he's been good. Like he's been really, really good. And the other guy that I think it's come a long way, and he's got a long way to go yet. Because as far as like his understanding of the game, he's still pretty immature. Is, is uh, Williams? Um, but yeah. he's got great hands. He's got hands like toilet seats. It's unbelievable. They're so big and soft. And then, yes. and then he's just he's got a knack for the ball and being where the ball's at. And reminds me maybe just a little bit of another guy that used to wear number fifty there. Um, yeah, not um, not not yeah, not as I mean, not as good in that sense. But yeah, but nobody, but no better offensively. But here's the thing: he's better offensively, right? Um, I don't know. Travis Carroll had an unbelievable mid-range jump shot. <laughs> you will not slander Tacos Carroll like yep. that on this podcast. Go easy. Go easy. <laughs> no, Go of easy. course you're referring. You're of course referring to to Biggie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think that Travion is a is a more natural and gifted passer. Yeah. Than even he, Caleb was. He sees the floor shockingly well. He sees it like a point he guard. He does. He really does, man. He's great at passing out of the double team. He yeah. really is. Matt Harms is horrible at it. Um, he, you know, so he, and so Matt, Matt, yeah. Matt really stifles the movement of the ball. Moves better when T's on, in there at the at the five. Yeah, really does. I do think though. I I will say this: Matt does a nice job of passing the ball when he is faced up. He's not a five. No, he's a four. Yeah, he's just tall. That's but all. He's got to. He's got to play the five. Yeah, a little bit. And I know that there has been a lot of criticism of the minutes in the in all of that. I think that it was an unbelievably great coaching decision by Coach Painter to move Matt to the bench and bring him off the bench. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and his play as of the last two three games illustrates that, validates mm-hmm. that he's better. It's better coming in off the bench. And some guys are just like that. You know, it really doesn't matter who starts. It's it's the minutes that you play, and it's who's there in the end. Right. Startings. 
So look, here's the deal with this. This is my theory. Okay, you ready? So here's the thing. Harms is better coming off the bench, right? Okay. So who are you going to start at the five? Well, you can't start Williams at the five right. because of a number of reasons. Okay. One, starting a true freshman is a dangerous thing because that sets up for some heightened expectations down the road that become hard to deal with with a kid. Okay. Yep. He doesn't have the physical ability, stamina to, to play major minutes in a stretch. Okay. Right. So here's what has to happen because the whole thing is, is harms is better off the bench. Well, you got to start, mm-hmm. you got to start Evan at the five. Yep. And, yep. and Evan's not great right now. If you look at his minutes, he's not playing a ton of minutes. He's starting, but he's playing like eight, nine minutes a game. Right. You know? And so that's, yeah. that's the deal. That's the deal with why Boudreaux is starting because you can't start Williams yet. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have to bring harms off the bench. That's the deal. So you got to go, Evan. You got to yeah, go, you gotta you go, gotta go with Evan. He's going to play eight, nine minutes. You're going to sub at the right before the first media timeout. So at the 16, 17 minute mark, you're pulling him and you're bringing Matt in. Mm-hmm. And then you're running Travion in and they're playing most of the rest of the way. And, Evan's not going to play that much. He's undersized. He's he, he's he's just not big enough, man. He's not a yeah. He's yeah. not a five in big boy basketball. And he's and he he's, he's some, too slow to play the four. He is somebody who will benefit, I think, from an off season of work. Yeah, I mean, he's really got to play a, a, the the power forward, the four spot. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that he's got enough lateral quickness to defend that position right now. Right. It's the challenge. And I'm, cause I'm telling you, he's pretty darn good at that four position. And that's Aaron Wheeler. Yeah. That Ooh. dude, that wow. dude blocked a shot off the backboard with his elbow. I think the other night. <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, when yeah. he's, he's going to be great. Yep. And, and as soon as he learns, to be a little more disciplined defensively. I mean, he's see, I think because he fit. He's physically is gifted enough to be a a great defender. He needs to play about eighteen minutes a game or more, and he's not right now. He's not playing nearly that. And, yeah, I mean, his production would be out of sight with those kind of minutes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sounds I like things are so... getting interesting in the neighborhood there. Yeah, that's what happens when you live next to a fire station. Uh-huh. <laughs> the good news is it's not stopping at my there house. There you go. Um, <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> I think, you know, the one thing that you and I, and we've kind of been on different sides about this, you were far more worried about the defense than I was. And it's not to say that I, that I didn't think the defense needed to get better. It obviously did. still needs to get I mean, better. What are you talking about? It still needs to, it still needs to get better. But I, I, I know – Coach Painter's reputation for and, and body of work of getting teams, his teams to play better defense as the year goes on. That's something that he's very good at. I was worried about the offense, more specifically, the lack of balance in the scoring offensively. That is something that we have seen change okay. with but that's, this that's, bench. That's why Aaron Wheeler's got to play more, dude. I don't disagree with you, and it's the same thing with Eric Hunter. Yeah, because they can and they can score the basketball, which means right. It starts on the defensive. Carson end, doesn't have they, to try to do everything, right? Because he's got help. 
Grady, Grady, uh, Grady ain't going to score 20 points if you leave him in the gym for a week by himself. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, he's a great kid, plays hard. You know what? Shouldn't be shouldn't be playing 25 minutes a game. And he can't score the ball. He'll have, he'll yeah. have seven rebounds and one point. Yeah. You play Aaron Wheeler 25 minutes, he's going to have 15 and nine. Yeah. <laughs> Which means Carson doesn't have to shoot it 22 times. Some of that is that Carson has to – and he did a good job of this against Iowa. He has to be willing to let the ball kind of go to others. Well, it depends on who the others are. Yeah. You know, Nogel has helped because he's starting to grow into his role as well offensively. Yeah. And that, you know, he's, he's, they've kind of taken him off the point and moved the ball out of his hands. And mm-hmm. he's, he's learning to play down and around the rim and do some things, taking it to the basket. Yeah. He's just become kind of the ultimate slasher. Yeah, I think I think I think as his confidence in his free throws increases, you'll see him try to attack more. I honestly think yes. he was hesitant to attack the rim because he didn't want to get fouled. Uh, yeah, which is totally fair because he was shooting twenty five percent from the foul line. Yeah, I mean he would shoot a floater and do some crazy stuff trying to avoid contact. I think it's because he didn't want he's, he didn't want to go to the line. He's too big, too strong, and too athletic not to be banging and attacking the rim. Right. Right. So, I mean, there's and, a combination and, of things that have happened to make the offense flow a little better. Yeah. I still think it, he, it, could even, it could be even more explosive with some different little tweaks, minute-wise. I agree. And uh, But right now, they need Nojo to continue to attack the rim because they just have to find a way to score at the rim. And it's not going to be on post-ups. So, the guy that's not played well as of late, which we do need him to play well, is Klein. Yeah. He's struggled. He's not shot well. No, he has struggled. You know, we've got three wins in a row now, and he's struggled. He really has. Yeah. And that's not good for the team. Mm-hmm. No, it is not. Um, but but the, but the that's the, the huge importance of the young guys, right? Because as Klein has struggled to, shot, or to shoot the ball, Sasha Stefanovic has started to found – find his jump shot a little bit. Yeah, he's not been bad. In the limited minute in the limited minutes that he's playing. You know, Aaron's shooting the ball better. Eric's shooting the ball better. Even even a guy like Matt Harms, you know, against Iowa was able to find a way find ways to produce on offense. Yeah. And so they can they can survive bad Klein shooting nights if everybody else is producing. Right. They just have to they have to be a team like if if they're going to be a team that each night they're going to play 10 guys and all 10 guys are going to score, they're going to be tough to beat because they're just going to throw so much at people. Agreed. I agree. They're playing better. They are. We said, they we are said, we said all along this is a two-season process. Right. And they, I mean, don't, have, they about... don't have all the pieces in the puzzle they need on campus yet. yet. They're not there yet. Brandon Newman is a huge piece of this. Um, the Thompson kid's a huge piece of this. Mason Gillis, as he's able to go, is going to be a big part. You know, those guys aren't here yet. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll tell you what, though. Brandon Newman is a freak athlete. Man, that dude can get up and go. He can shoot it, man. He can shoot it, but it's the it's the dunking. It's the blocking and transition. Yeah. Like he is. He's a. He's not just 
your definition of a shooter, right? No, your he's, he's, he's like, more versatile than that. Which is the type of player that Purdue needs. Yeah. You, you need those guys. So it's a two-year process. I, You know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Edwards does after this season. Yeah. I don't believe that he is an NBA guy yet because of his size. Yeah. I would not be surprised if he's back. You think he's gone. I think he's gone. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I think I think that if he can get any first round draft spot, he's out of here. Well, I don't disagree with you on that. I think if he's a first round pick, you go because we all learn to do math in elementary school well enough to understand the numbers on that. Sure. Uh, yeah. Go get I go don't, make guaranteed money. Right. I don't think he's a first round draft pick. Because because think, he's because he's six foot tall. I think it will. A lot of it will depend on how Purdue plays here in the Big Ten. You know, if they are able, you know, we, we you and I have talked about. It. It's all about getting to nine wins. If they get to nine wins in conference, they're a tournament team. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for them to do that. Well, they're going to need to probably be close to five hundred in this stretch coming up, and it's a gauntlet. Yeah, we're going to go through that here in just a little bit. So the guy, yeah. the guy that I compare Edwards to, as far as like what's his possibilities for you know playing pro, right? Is uh-huh. is Jalen Brunson? Yeah, you know because Jalen Brunson I thought was was a uh, really good player for Villanova, and you know he played the point and he could, but he can score and he can shoot it. He was a undersized, yeah. right? Jalen Brunson's six yep. three. Yeah, Carson's three inches smaller than he is. Yes. And Jalen Brunson is a role player in the NBA at best, probably. Yeah, he's started a couple games for the Mavs, I think, this year, but he's not a superstar. No, and he's not going to be because not skill-wise necessarily, just size. Yeah. And and I think that's the same thing with Carson. You're not going to be able to – he's going to get guarded by guys that are 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, yes. Yeah, he's and, not and he's not a point guard. Usual thing. He's not a point guard. Not right yeah. now. Not right now. Not a. She's not a true natural point guard. No, come back for a senior year and develop your skill set. Maybe you are, but right now you're not. So well, I, if they I bring him, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back. If they bring him back next year, that changes expect. You know, that changes a lot of things. Oh my! If he's back as a senior with the team that we're going to have talent wise, yeah. Oh god, yeah. golly! Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a strong yeah. team, man. Yeah. I'm not convinced he'll be gone. I really don't. I don't because I don't think he's. I don't think he's first round pick. Maybe you I'm will, wrong. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, we're in January. You know, we're not even halfway through the season yet. There's still a lot of time left. There's a lot of other guys out there that the guard spot that I think are better. Well, certainly time will tell. In the, uh, in, the, kind of in, in the NBA, let me say that. Yeah, in the NBA, yeah. All right, let's talk about let's, schedule. Yeah, you know, we have talked, we've kind of talked about it a couple of times. This is a, a slugfest in the Big Ten. So there's 15 games left, right? Right. Okay. So I'm just going to kind of read down the list. You're at Michigan State on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. On Friday – the rare Friday conference game <laughs> on the road against Wisconsin, mm-hmm. back home against Rutgers, mm-hmm. home against Indiana, mm-hmm. on the road at Ohio State, home against Michigan State, on the road at Penn State. Yeah. That finishes out January. 
Okay, so we got one, two, three, four, five, six games in January. Yeah, um, yeah, we got seven games left in January. Seven? Yeah, because there's eight games total. Oh, yes. Yeah, so they just played yeah, Iowa. Sorry. Okay, so seven games left. How many of those do they win? Uh, let's say they hold serve at home court, right? They protect home court. So they beat Rutgers, they beat IU, they beat Michigan State all at home. Right. Hey, this this is your this is your talking. That means so you, there they they are three. They finished they finished January four and four. If they win all their home games, if they could sneak Penn State, maybe instead of either IU or Michigan State, now you're at four and four. Or even if you're able to get like Wisconsin on the road, say you get hot, right? Hit a bunch of shots on the road at Wisconsin. It certainly has happened before. I'll go back to that A.J. Hammonds-Ronnie Johnson team in 2011 or no, 2013, 2014, that, that beat, a, I think it was Ethan Happ in his junior year yeah. at uh, Wisconsin. Um, Happ now like an eighth-year senior for the Badgers. <laughs> uh, but, but I think if they can be 4-4 four and four at the end of January, that would be great because they're what nine and five right now. Yeah, they're nine and five. So you had three more wins. You're sitting at twelve wins with another ten left to play. Yeah, I so saw. I, I think they go two and five or three and four at best in January. Rest of January. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. So who are you seeing? Who are who who have who are you seeing that you don't think they're going to beat that I have? Said that they will. Michigan State will beat beat them both home and away. Yeah, and you don't think they can get Penn State on the road? I, I think that might be the one they get. Yeah, um, I think IU is going to beat them. I think they. Yeah. I think they very well could get Wisconsin. Yeah, and uh, I think they'll get Penn State, and I think maybe they get lucky and get Ohio State. Okay. Maybe. So that'd be three, right? Rutgers, IU. No, Rutgers, Ohio State, and Penn State. That's it. three. That that would be the most. And I'm not sure they can get Ohio State. So I think they they go two and five the rest of the way through here. Okay. So you think that they win three more games here in the month of January? No, they win three total in January. So you think that – so they beat Iowa, they'll beat Rutgers, and then they'll beat Penn State. Right. Okay. So that'd be three and well, that'd be three and five in January. Yeah. Yes. I I mean, I think you can say this. You look at those three ranked teams, right? That they're gonna see. They've already played a couple pretty good teams in non conference and they held their own. Yep. Now, I don't know I think Michigan State is a game that just stay healthy on Tuesday. They're not beating Michigan Everybody. State, man. No, uh, but I think that they can beat Ohio State because I just don't know if Ohio State has the scoring talent yet. Well, it depends on who our lineup is. Yeah. Because I'm telling you right now, it's not hard to disrupt Klein because he's one-dimensional. And if I've got another guy on the floor that I don't have to worry about Garden really because he's going to score three points in 20 minutes. Yeah, also you're not real. I, I, I now I can I can run Klein off the line and do some stuff that disrupts yeah. him. And now there's no other secondary score to go with Carson. 
Now, if you want to play some different guys in some different lineups, okay, well, that's a whole – That's all that, that. Maybe some things change. But right now, based off body of work to date, yeah, yeah, they're going to get two wins, maybe three, the rest of the month. Okay, I think I think if they get three wins, if they finish if they finish out the the month with if they go four and four in the month of January, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think that that's I think that's okay. I think that's not a bad month. Oh, I think that's overachieving. Because you look at because now if we go into February, right? So let's mm-hmm. say they win four games, right? Mm-hmm. And they are sitting at. So they're so they went three more. They're twelve and whatever, right? So they got twelve wins, It'd be right? Twelve and nine. Yep, twelve and nine. You have Minnesota at home, Nebraska at home. You're on the road at Maryland. You're home against Penn State. You're at Indiana. You're at Nebraska, and you're home against Illinois. Okay, so you should be able. So you should be able to beat Minnesota, who's yeah. as faulty of a twelve and two as anybody yeah. in the country. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah, they're nothing special. Nebraska's probably pretty close to Purdue, um, and so I think you beat them at home. I think you split with them. Yeah. I think to, uh, I, th- I think made, Miles is a really good coach. I think so, too. Yeah, I think he's really good. I think good. that there's a really good chance that, that Maryland has thrown in the towel come February 12th. Yeah, that's a bit of a bust right there. That's a dumpster fire going on there. Um, that's a really talented team who could uh, could very easily have quit on their coach by then. All right. Well, we'll see. But they just got we'll a see. big we'll win. See. They did, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Penn, Penn State's hard-nosed, but I think Purdue can beat them at home. Uh, probably at home, yeah. Again, I think their coach I think their coach is an excellent coach. I think he is too, uh, but I think that, that they're still trying to figure some things out. Lose on the road at Indiana – uh, probably lose on the road at Nebraska and then beat Illinois at home. Agreed. So, I mean, I mean so we're saying Minnesota one. Yep. Nebraska two. Nebraska two. Maryland three. Penn State. Uh, let's let's say they split with Penn with Maryland, right? Okay. So there's two wins. Penn State. Penn State three. Okay. And then Illinois four. So now you're sitting at sixteen wins. Yeah. That gets you in the NIT. And then you finish up with Ohio State at home, Minnesota on the road, Northwestern at home. I think there's a chance they could be on a three-game winning streak headed into the Big Ten tournament. That'd be great. And, and that would that you know they said that would give them 19 wins in the regular season. That's enough to be at eight seed. If they get if, yeah, if they get 19 wins with the strength of schedule they have, they make tournament as an eight or nine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which means you play what the one or two seed in the second day. Yeah, but that's yeah. fine because if they make the tournament with a team that could arguably bring everybody, almost everybody back, that's a successful season. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they get nineteen wins. We'll see. We certainly will see. I think they're going to end up with like seventeen, maybe eighteen. I don't know. Not, yeah, yeah. Not optimistic about it. I think it will come down to how well they can defend. And if they continue to make strides on defense, I think that, that they'll be all right. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you are too. I really do. I want to be wrong. I'm afraid I'm not. We'll see. Well, That's why they play the games. With, yeah, it starts tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, watch, watch the Boilmakers on the road in East Lansing. Uh, Dad, always a pleasure. Yep. Uh, 
pretty long podcast today. Yeah, it was. Also had a, had a lot to talk about though because we had been off for the last couple of weeks. We're gonna we're gonna get back into the the flow of things here a little bit. You know, get it back on a little more of a, a regular schedule for our listeners. Uh, as always, be sure to uh, comment, rate, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Trying to grow the listenership. Uh, if you have questions, tweet them at us at, at MM Boilers on Twitter. Also, Monday Morning Boilers at gmail.com. You can send us emails as well. We're reading those. Best questions get on the air starting next week. But of course, got to end it the signature way, right? Yep. Bo- boiler up and hammer down.